Alright, we're on chapter 9, and I'm excited about this chapter for some reason. Uh, I don't know why. But I remember what chapter number it is, which is already better than last time. Okay, so this one's called The Writing on the Wall. So if you recall, we have a Schrodinger's cat and some weird-ass cryptic language on a wall. And we got our boy crappy Dracula yelling about mudbloods. So then this starts with Finch... Finch? Filch. This starts with the uh, emo band from the early 2000s, Finch. He comes up, and he sees the cat, and then just, like, assumes that the cat is dead. Doesn't check to see if the cat is dead or anything. He's just like, yep, my cat is dead. Oh, and Harry, it's all your fault. Like, hey, first of all, maybe it's the fault of the kids screaming the weird racist shit? I don't know. And then Mumblecore comes up, and he's like, alright, let's, let's check this shit out. And so they go into Sue Grafton's office, and Mumblecore starts, like, poking at the cat. And Snape is there, and he's, like, biting his lip to keep from smiling, for some reason, because recall, he is a total sociopath who shouldn't be working with children. And so, while this is happening, Sue Grafton is using it as a reason to, like, continue boasting about himself. Like, dude, give it a rest. We are dealing with a maybe-dead cat here. And then Mumblecore is like, okay, she's not dead, she's just been petrified. But I'm calling bullshit on this because when the weird sad kid who lost his toad was petrified... In the last book, his eyes moved all around still, and this cat's eyes were still the whole time, and it took Mumblecore, like, ten minutes to figure out that he wasn't dead. So, what's up with that? So then, then Finch, uh, is, I'm just gonna call him Finch. I'm sorry, your name's Finch now. He's blaming Harry Potter, and Mumblecore is like, nah, no, no second year student could do an advanced spell like that. Even though Bossy Girl did it as a first year in the last book. And, he, and she did it to an actual human instead of just a cat. This is such, by the way, just such a stupid, convenient plot hole filler that the book loves to use. Where it's just like, oh, this is advanced magic, so it can't be a kid. And then, oh, well, this is basic magic. And depending on what we need to accomplish, that scale moves around all over the place. And so then Snape was like, well, maybe Harry didn't do it, but why was he out there in the first place, eh? Huh? Huh? Harry? What's up with that? And Harry didn't want to admit that he listens to Fury of Five, so he was like, uh, I was at the ghost party, and then I left because the ghosts were getting weird as fuck. And Snape's like, this doesn't add up. He should be suspended from Quidditch for their match against Slytherin. I am definitely unbiased, and this is a perfectly logical punishment with no adjoining benefits to myself or my house. And Mumblecore is like, uh, hey Snape, you ever heard of a little thing called the Presumption of Innocence? It's a hallmark of post-enlightenment constitutional democracies, like like this here ancient wizard school obviously is. And then Mumblecore is like, oh, also we can cure the cat, in case you were wondering about that. Don't worry about that. And then Snape and Sue Grafton have this like weird dick-waving contest over who gets to make the cat curing potion. These are the real children of the story, by the way. And so then Harry and the gang leave, and Harry is like, 
should I have told them that I listened to Fury 5? And Ron's like, no, they hate that band just like everyone else. And Harry's like, oh, also, what's a squib? Also, I think I forgot to mention that, that our boy Finch thinks that Harry petrified his cat because Harry found out that he was a squib. And Ron explains that it's the opposite of a muggle-born wizard. It's someone who was born into a wizard family but doesn't have any cool wizard powers. But then he says it's pretty rare. But I guess that's what Finch is. So wizardry is genetic, except when it isn't. Like, there's just times when it's like, yeah, this shit is not genetic. Sorry, you got fucked over, you squib. Go buy a brochure. And then, I first of all, I imagine this would be a fucking nightmare to try to capture on, like, a wizard census. Like, if there are, like, wizard sociologists trying to study this stuff, this would just be a goddamn mess. And... I'm also pretty sure that this sounds the death knell for any intelligent analogy this book is trying to draw to race. I mean, I already thought that, but I think we can, like, safely put it to rest now. So all this book is doing is serving to just further confuse and distort the operation of actual existing race relations among the impressionable children who read it. And so then Ron is also a subscriber to the theory that Filch's inability to, like, be a wizard is the reason for his fixation on torture and punishment of the wizard kids. He's acting out his own insecurities. Which, by the way, I said that last uh, last thing. Go back and listen to that shit. I was right. And I like it when I'm right. And so then we get another one of those bizarre, like, overview narrative devices. Where it's like, you know, the incident had an effect on Bossy Girl. She responded by reading a lot. The incident also had an effect on Harry. People were scared of him. It's really, it, it, like, it just goes through and catalogs everyone. But my favorite part of this is when literally Harry is just, like, walking down the the hallway. And it's trying to illustrate that, like, everybody in the school is scared of him. And there's this scene where this dumb Hufflepuff kid sees him and just, like, starts running away immediately. And it's funny because the book is, is basically just like, yeah, Hufflepuff, those are the dumb scared idiots. And then there's the scene where Ron has to write, like, this three-foot-long composition, and he's like, I'm still eight inches short. And side note, this book is obsessed with length and measurements and shit. Like, I have no idea what's up with that. It always sounds, like, vaguely phallic to me, but, like, like remember that dude with the wand, like, knew everybody's wand measurements? That was weird as hell. Uh, but apparently the wizards are actually just completely consumed by the concept of measurement lengths, depths, widths, they just love it. They wander through life just thinking about how long everything is. It's weird as fuck. And then Bossy Girl is like, hey, I'm trying to study up on the Chamber of Secrets, but all the copies of the book are checked out. How are we going to learn about this much-needed backstory? And then she's like, I know. I'll make the boring ghost professor tell us about the Chamber of Secrets. And so we get this monologue by the boring ghost professor who I don't even think we've met the Boring Ghost Professor before. I think this is this is the debut of the Boring Ghost Professor. Apparently he's real boring, but every day he comes into class, like, th- like through the chalkboard. Like, you just, like, you know, because I guess ghosts can just, like, move through shit, and so he moves through the chalkboard to come into class, and everybody thinks that's really cool, because it is. But keep that in mind for something that I'm going to complain about later. So, but first we get this, like, little mini story of Hogwarts from Boring Ghost Professor, and it was founded, like, a thousand years ago by four people, Hufflepuff and, and all the rest of them, the, the four people whose names are the houses, and they were persecuted for being wizards, apparently, and so then they build this house, and surprise, surprise, fucking Slytherin was an elitist dickhead, 
I'm sure you're shocked by that revelation. And he was like, no one from a muggle family can learn here. I'm racist. And then Gryffindor was like, no, fuck you. And then Slytherin left the school over it. But before he left, he built a hidden chamber in the castle. And he sealed it so that no one could, could like, open it until his true heir arrived. Side note, I realized that this is a problem with the last podcast where I was talking about what the wall, what was written on the wall, and it said, enemies of the air beware, and I should have clarified for my re- for my listeners who don't fucking read this book, uh, air is H-E-I-R, like the fucking heir to the throne. When I listened back, it sounded like I was talking about like enemies of the air, like people who preferred land and sea, but no, H-E-I-R. So then, the true heir to Mr. Slytherin would arrive and unleash the horror within the Chamber of Secrets. Alright, that's the fucking thing. And then, that what that would do is it would purge the school of all the people who were unworthy to, to study magic, which is, you know, according to this dude's ideology, the squibs and the... Uh, I don't know, muggle-born wizards. I don't know if there's a word for muggle-born wizards. Because I thought that mudblood was when you were half muggle and half wizard. But maybe that's what a muggle-born wizard is. I still, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little shaky on these concepts. They don't really make a lot of sense to me. But at any rate, the heir to the to Slytherin's going to come, and the, the, he's going to open the Chamber of Secrets, and everybody who is not like a pure blood wizard guy is is out. That's what's going to happen. It's like a purge. So this is like basically he planted like a racism bomb apparently. He's going to get rid of all the mudbloods and the muggle-born wizards and shit. And then of course the professor uh has to like obligatorily be like, "But that's all nonsense and there's no racism bomb and there's none of that stuff and no one can prove that there is a chamber of secrets." And then there's like this super cliched scene where all the students point out all the logical holes in his argument, and he just keeps saying, nonsense, it's nonsense, no racism bomb. And then they go to the scene of the crime. Harry and the gang get out of class, and they go to the scene of the crime, and there's a bunch of spiders, and Ron hates spiders. And that's, like, literally, that's the only thing that happens, is that they're spiders, and Ron's like, I don't like spiders. And then they make fun of Ron for not liking spiders, even though it's actually a pretty common affliction. And so then they go into the woman's bathroom, and remember Moaning Myrtle, the one who was, like, basically assaulted by that shitty ghost? Well, she's there, and she's like, what are, and, and, and she points to Harry and Ron, she's like, what are they doing there? This is the girls' bathroom. Like, okay, Myrtle, what are you, the North Carolina state legislature? Gender is over, Myrtle. And so then they're like, uh, did you see anything weird last night, Myrtle? And she's like, I was so upset that I ran here to try to kill myself, but I couldn't. And Ron's like... Because you're already dead. Ha. And this is like a really fucking weird treatment of suicide. Which is an actual thing that actual teenagers reading this book are likely to have dealt with in some capacity. Or are likely to deal with later. And it's being handled in the fucking worst, most flippant way possible. So that's cool. And then Myrtle does like a nosedive into the toilet. And it like splashes up on them. But like, we just had a scene where a ghost walked through a chalkboard so why is water splashing can the what what's going on here do the are the ghosts what is their relationship with the physical world do they 
move through it when they want to. There was the ghost that ate the food, but he didn't eat it. He just, like, moved through it. I thought the ghost just moved through stuff. But apparently, they can also do fucking cannonballs. And so then Percy, Ron's brother, uh, comes up and is like, you can't be in here. So he's, like, all he's like another member of the North Carolina state legislature. He's all pissed because he, I don't know, he doesn't want them to figure anything out. He's like, my role here is to be obstructionist, and that's it. And so then he's like, five points from Gryffindor. I'll punish the house we both belong to. That'll teach you. And so then later, Ron's like, oh, just so we're clear, uh, that Malfoy, that crappy Dracula kid, that's the prime suspect, yeah? And they're like, yeah, well, yeah, obviously that's him. It's, it's got to be that kid. And then they're like, what do we do? And Bossy Girl is like, check this shit out. We take a potion that makes us look like someone else. Because that exists. And we make ourselves look like his Slytherin friends, and then we fucking ask him some tough questions. That's the plan. That'll do it. Okay, sure. That doesn't seem like it's gonna go wrong at all. Uh, and, and also, that's the end of the chapter. So that's that's where they end on, on let's pretend to be his friends and ask him. So, kind of a bad plan there, bossy girl. Your plans are usually better. And it's weird because it's like the one time you have like a really terrible plan, Ron and Harry actually go along with it for a change. Okay, so let's discuss the possible heirs to Slytherin, because I like this kind of shit. Obviously, the book is trying to signal crappy Dracula kid, but that's too obvious, which means it's definitely not him. Also, he was there last year, so why wouldn't it have opened up last year? Wouldn't it have to be someone that is new, like that, that just came? So then, the other obvious choice, I think, is that Sue Grafton dude, um, because he seems like an asshole, and that seems like a, you know... But that seems kind of dumb, unless the book is lazy as hell, because it's just basically repeating the same thing that it did last book. Like, oh, it's actually a professor that you didn't expect it to be. So, but this book is not above being dumb, so maybe that's what it's gonna be. The other new people include Colin Creepy, the creepy stalker kid. That'd be a good one. Uh, maybe it's Oliver Wood, the Quidditch captain guy who made everyone get up all early, practice a sport that mostly involves waiting for Harry Potter to do something. I forgot whether I already... already did I already make the Cleveland Cavaliers, the, the obvious Cleveland Cavaliers joke there? Anyway, maybe it's that guy, and he's just like, I'm not just a sports Nazi, I'm a regular Nazi! Racism bomb! Or uh, maybe it's Ginny, Ron's sister? What if she's the true heir? That'd be cool. She's like, nah, fuck y'all, I'm cleaning house. I don't care. I'm Ron's sister Ginny, and I'm shy. And then maybe it's it's Nearly Headless Nick, although he's been around, so maybe not him. But that'd be cool, right? He's like, I'm actually a Nearly Headless Nazi! Racism bomb! I'm a Nazi ghost. I honestly do, like, like, I think it's probably going to be Colin Creepy. I think that's the, the one that would be the most satisfying to me. Because then it's like, oh, I was actually trying to get close to Harry so that he wouldn't stop my master plan. And, like, I'm this, like, diabolical dude who used the idea of celebrity for my own ends. You know, we'll see. I think it would be cool if it were that kid. I think it'd be dumb as hell if it were crappy Dracula kid. And I think it'd be kind of cool if it was the uh, the other guy. I don't know. They're all kind of dumb. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it'll surprise me. Maybe it'll be like, oh, hell yeah, this book's better than I thought it was. But probably not. <laughs>